You are listening to the podcast of the Y Church of the Elk River YMCA in Minnesota. Our mission is to seek Jesus, connect together, and share his love. We're going to be in Zechariah 8 this morning, and Sherry Ames is our scripture reader. The word of the Lord Almighty came to me. This is what the Lord Almighty says. The fasts of the fourth, fifth, seventh, and tenth months will become joyful and glad occasions and happy festivals for Judah. Therefore, love, truth, and peace. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Many peoples and inhabitants of many cities will yet come, and the inhabitants of one city will go to another and say, Let us go at once to entreat the Lord and seek the Lord Almighty. I myself am going. And many peoples and powerful nations will come to Jerusalem to seek the Lord Almighty and to entreat him. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In those days, ten people from all languages and nations will take firm hold of one Jew by the hem of his robe and say, Let us go with you, because we have heard that God is with you. All right. Thank you, Sherry. Well, I had what last Sunday I can only describe as the joy of the Lord. I was ice fishing. Just to be clear, I was at church first, and then I was ice fishing in the afternoon. It was after lunch. I was looking out the window, and the sun is in the sky. It was just beautiful. And I said, honey, I'm thinking of going ice fishing. What do you think? And I'm asking this as seven kids are buzzing around our house. <laughs> oh, but, you know, worship is wonderful being here together. Did you know fishing can also be worshipful? At least I find so. And maybe your winter activity, whatever you named around your table, would fall into that category. Snowshoeing, skiing, snowmobiling, some of the things on the list. There was an Olympian long ago, Eric Little, a Scottish runner, who said, when I run, I feel God's pleasure. Now, I've never experienced that running, but I have fishing. <laughs> and so it was a great Sunday. And here we are. It's the last of our three January messages, how we start the year. We had New Year's Sunday in Matthew 11, and we told the story of Count Zinzendorf. And by the way, if you're looking for one of those last devotionals, we ordered another dozen, and if they're not here today, we'll get them to you as soon as we can. Then we had Why the Why Sunday last week, and we told the story of the YMCA via Zechariah 4, and uh, we had that key passage, Do Not Despise the Day of Small Beginnings. And now we come back today, staying in Zechariah, now in chapter 8, and today we tell the Y Church story. Now we do that each year for three reasons. First, so that new people who are just getting connected here can have a sense of becoming part of the story. Secondly, for all of us, no matter how long you've been here, to be reminded of who we are and where we've come from. And thirdly and most importantly, we tell this story for the honor and glory of the Lord, for what he has done here. We certainly do not tell this story this morning for anything that we've done. This is a God story from front to back. And we just praise God for allowing us to be part of what he has been doing. Now, like last week, we're going to start first in the biblical text, in Zechariah. And then from there, we'll have our bearings to tell the story of the Y Church. And then toward the end, I'm going to give a preview of the things that are in store this year, including a fun surprise at the end. But step one, let's start in Zechariah. 
Now, last week we were four chapters earlier, and we told the story of this lampstand. Zechariah has this vision of a lampstand. Now in chapter 8, he's switched into sermon mode. He's preaching, and he is answering a question. You'll remember from last week that Zechariah is a prophet after the exile of Israel. So this is about 500 years before Christ, and he's serving as a prophet. And the people are now back home in Israel, but it's tough sledding. I mean, it's not a pretty picture. And one of the practical questions they have is if they should still be fasting like they did when they were in exile in Babylon. When they were there, they'd set months and times where they would fast and they would mourn the destruction of their beloved city, Jerusalem. But now they're back and they're rebuilding Jerusalem. And so they're wondering, what do we do with these fasts? So the word of the Lord comes to Zechariah, and he says in this sermon, in verse 19, the fasts of the fourth, fifth, seventh, and tenth months will become joyful and glad occasions and happy festivals. In other words, the fasts are going to turn into feasts. Now, as good a news as that is, it's really hard for the people to believe because they are just in the trenches of this rebuilding process, And they might be home, but they have come home to all kinds of obstacles. They are halfway in between laying the foundation of the temple and rebuilding the temple itself. And have you ever been halfway in between the start and the finish of a big project? Maybe something in your home, or I don't know what it was, but you know, you're in too far, you can't go back, and yet the finish line is still a long ways off. But God is saying the days of celebrating are coming. And in their waiting, he has a word of instruction for his people in this moment to finish the verse. He says, therefore, love, truth, and peace. It maybe isn't immediately clear to us the connection between fasting, feasting, and now this command to love, truth, and peace. But earlier in the sermon, God had reminded his people through Zechariah that their ancestors before the exile had lived in the land And their fasts and feasts were empty. I mean, they'd been there to enjoy it, and they were hypocrites. They didn't actually follow the Lord. They didn't love and care for their neighbor. They neglected the widow and the orphan, the poor and the foreigner. They actually, it says, they plotted evil against one another. There was lots of strife and division, all while going through the religious motions. So Zechariah is saying, whether fasting or feasting, Be a people of truth and peace. And that is a good word for us too, isn't it? We want to be a people whose worship gatherings and Y groups and ministries are consistent with what we say we believe. Biblical truth and genuine compassion. And it can become so easy to do one or the other of those two things. On the one hand, to so emphasize truth and right doctrine, forget about peace. We're going to be at war with an increasingly non-Christian culture around us. So that on the one hand. On the other hand, to so emphasize peace and justice that they aren't even anchored to the truth of God's word anymore. So instead, what do you get? It's the gospel of humanism. It's the gospel according to me. And in that version, God ends up looking a whole lot like my own preferences and my own interpretation. So Zechariah, along with the rest of Scripture, give us such balance when they say love, truth, 
and love peace. You don't decide between the two. Well, with that, let's go to the next couple of verses. Zechariah continues to share this word from the Lord about their future. He's saying fasting is going to turn into feasting. And then we have this, uh, verses 20 and 21. Many people and the inhabitants of many cities will yet come. And the inhabitants of one city will go to another and say, Let us go at once to entreat the Lord and seek the Lord Almighty. I myself am going. Remember that as the people are hearing this message, Jerusalem is still in rough shape. And life is hard in Israel. It's a bad economy. There's food shortages. There's stress with the Samaritans. And for the Israelites to hear that one day, people are going to flock to their city again like it's a top-tier travel destination. I mean, this was a very bold vision for them to hear. But then look and pay attention to why the people are coming. It is not because of the nice beach or the casino or a water park or any other amenities. It is specifically to entreat and seek the Lord. Entreat is not a word you and I use very much. It means to look for God's favor. They're going to entreat the Lord and seek him. And that's why they're coming. And to me, this sounds pretty relevant to a church whose mission statement here at the Y Church starts with seeking Jesus. This is our kind of verse. This is what we want to do. We come here to entreat and seek the Lord together. And I think, boy, would our urgency be described in the way that theirs is. It says in the text, let us go at once. You know, the Bible doesn't waste any words. So let's pick up each one. Let us go at once. Reminds me of that song in uh, My Fair Lady. If you watch old musicals, you remember that song? Just get me to the church on time. A great song. The context is admittedly very different in that song. But in Zechariah, there's urgency and there's also personal agency. Remember how it finishes? I myself am going. That's the personal agency. And we recognize that the most effective invitation that we have is not for the Y Church to do more marketing or to get a bigger sign than our little sandwich board out there or to sponsor social media ads. The most effective thing that you can do is when you personally invite someone to church because I myself am going. That's the vision for future Israel in this passage. And it's the vision for the future of the church. Come and seek Jesus, because I'm coming too. So one last verse. Uh, I'd like us to take a look at 23, and then we'll shift into a little bit of our story. Verse 23, in those days, it says, 10 people from all languages and nations will take firm hold of one Jew by the hem of his robe and say, let us go with you. Because we have heard that God is with you. It's really quite the picture, isn't it? It was always God's design with Israel to do this, to reach the whole world with the gospel. And we get this very early on, already with Abraham, the call of Abraham. God says, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. That's before he even has a family, let alone a tribe, a nation, etc. And in Isaiah, God says... I will make you a light for the Gentiles, which is that Bible word for non-Jewish nations. I will make you a light for the Gentiles that my salvation may reach the ends of the earth. So it's always there from the beginning of the story. 
And here we have this vision of ten people from all different languages and nations. And this is very much in keeping with what God intended for Israel to do. And the picture of them taking hold of this Jewish guy's robe is also, I think, quite striking. Now, taking hold of the hem, we miss that in in our culture, in our language, but for them it was symbolic for submission and supplication. Which, by the way, as a side note, it makes us think of that woman in Matthew 9 who has been sick for so long, 12 years, and she sees Jesus, and what does she say? She says, if I can just touch his cloak, then I will be healed. And what does she do in the story? She touches the hem of his garment. There's more than meets the eye going on in that gesture. All right? It is submission. Jesus, you are my master. And it is supplication. Jesus, I need your help. And he does. So back to Zechariah. We've got people from ten nations taking hold of the hem of a Jewish robe. And what we should think back to is across the Old Testament how ironic this is now. Because Israel has spent so much of its history being subjected to other nations, and now it's flipped. And what are they saying? Well, much like before, they're saying, let us go with you because we've heard that God is with you. And that, I find, is the kind of atmosphere we long for here as well. That people from all over our area, whatever city or neighborhood, whatever school you attend, that people from all over would want to come with you to worship. Or they would come with you to your Y group. Or come with you to student ministry. Because they heard that God was here. And so this is what they're saying. Let me me come with you because I heard that God is with you. Well, may the Lord let it be so this new year at the Y Church. And with these verses in mind, let's tell a little bit of how the Y Church began. In 2008, there was a local church here in Elk River, Central Lutheran Church. It's on School Street that wanted, in the first time in their history, to get into church planting when you start a church. And they'd never done it before, but they were drawn to this idea, not because they wanted to expand their footprint, they just wanted to start a new church and send it off because church planting around the world is one of the most effective ways to spread the gospel. So they created a job description and they posted the position. Well, at the time, Esther and I were in Los Angeles where I had, I had just started my last semester of seminary. And we were starting to discern what might be next. And I was sending out resumes and contacting churches in the northwest suburbs. My parents had relocated to Elk River. And that happened when I was in college. And so Esther and I were a long way from all of our family. Her family's in Germany. And so we said, well, Lord, with your blessing, would there be a place for us to serve back towards my parents so that we'd be at least closer to one set? All that to say... My mother was working at Central here in Elk River, and she told me about this job that they were posting. Now, I hadn't specialized in church planning at all, but I I loved the vision that this church had. I talked to the pastor, and lo and behold, Esther and I ended up here in Elk River. That was the fall of 2008. And in God's providence, the Elk River YMCA was in the final stages of construction at the very same time. So in 2009, my boss, Pastor Paul, he said, you know, I saw a church once in the Y in St. Cloud. He'd been there earlier. 
And he said, why don't we knock on the door of the new Y, the Elk River Y, and see if they'd be interested. And so we did, and we met a young leader here named Amanda Larson. She's now the Director of Health and Human Services for the county. But for a few years, she was working here at the Y, and uh, Amanda talked to the executive director, and they said, sure. There really wasn't a template for this in the Twin Cities YMCAs, but they said, sure, let's draft up a rental agreement. So for $45 a Sunday, we had the community room. We could use the community room for worship. So the fall of 2009, we actually didn't start with a worship service. We started with the Alpha Course. The Alpha Course, uh, we've done two times since. I'm pretty confident we'll do it again sometime when the time is right in the future. It's a 12-week class that explores the basics of the Christian faith. And it's actually, if you like having breakfast at church, it's because of the Alpha Course. It's very much centered around community and having a meal. So the round tables and breakfast uh, dates back to our history with Alpha. And the idea was, well, if we start with Alpha, maybe we'll have a gathering of a core group of people with whom we could start the church. And that's what we did. So Sunday, February 14th, 2010, we had the first worship service of the Y Church. Those early years, we were in the community room. And eventually, you know, at first, the few little kids we had would just kind of crawl around the back of the community room. That was our child care. Eventually, the Y gave permission that we could utilize kids' stuff, this, this beautiful space that they have. We, at, at that time, got connected to other churches in YMCAs in other parts of the country, and, and they helped us to gain language for what this could be, and they helped us to see this isn't just a place to start. You know, you could do that, right? And then you get enough people and enough financial resources that you can build your own building or whatever it is. But we saw this could be a place to stay. A thousand people checking in at the front desk every single day, coming in these doors. The Y is one of the great gathering places in our city. And it has a Christian mission that we as a church could help bring to life. And so we made the Y the focal point of our ministry, not just here to rent space. And once you know, I've got, I've got to share this old picture I found. Maybe recognize a few faces there. I think that we were serving that day at a YMCA 5K, and that's why we've got those red Y shirts on. The thing that really gets me about this photo are uh, the two little boys in the back row, Jacob Palm and his brother Andrew, you can barely see, just peeking up over there, to see these guys. Jacob now works for the Y Church. He's getting married this next summer. He's finishing college. And Andrew is now so big that he could probably pick me up and throw me across the gym if he wanted to. But what a bunch of pioneers when I look at that picture. You know, there's no special status here for how long you've been part of the Y Church. But we do want to honor those early church planters who set aside maybe their own comfort list. And they had a vision for what this could be someday. As a matter of fact, it was Russ and Kathy Palm and Joe and Barb Guidarelli who went to a YMCA church conference with Esther and I in upstate New York. And it was those two couples on that trip who helped me to see that this could be possible. And here we are today. Now eventually we moved into half the gym. And so this curtain, as you know, if you play basketball here, you're part of tear down afterwards, it comes down and divides the gym. And so we just had church on that half. We had an enormous white 
screen that Kelly Otto, Eric's mom, um, stitched together for us so we could project onto it. Uh, And eventually then we moved into the rest of the gym. For a long time, I was the only staff member of the Y Church. We have always relied heavily on people serving, which is as it should be in the church. Growing our serving teams, giving of our time, exploring our spiritual gifts. But eventually, we did need some more staff support. And so Donna Anderson came as our first bookkeeper, a dear woman in Christ, and she now lives in northern Minnesota. And then Heather Olaski came as our first admin assistant. And then I remember it was August of 2015. I came back from a mission trip that summer. I'll get to that in a moment. But they sat me down and they said, Bjorn, the job is getting too big. We're going to need to do something. And so I had just come back from this mission trip. The first global mission trip of the Y Church was that summer to Germany. One of the people on that trip was a woman named Tara Tiki. And Tara, on one of our closing days, we're walking, you know, some side street down, you know, rural German village. I think it was maybe Esther's home village. We're just chatting, and she's kind of telling me she might be thinking about a career change. That's probably me putting words into her mouth. I don't think she said it that way, but that's what I heard. (laughs) And so I called her up that fall, and I said, Tara, would you ever consider coming to work as our administrator? And I'll never forget that her interview that we held, it was like every room in the Y was booked that night. So we held her interview at the public library in one of the little study rooms. And um, Tara said yes. And I don't know, you know, we tell this story every year. I don't know if I've quite said this in these words before. But she has led the Y Church through immense administrative and organizational growth so that we can better carry out our mission. And I just want to recognize Tara with those words today and maybe even invite us to applaud her. I really wish we had the time. I could keep telling you stories about the staff and the leaders and just the people generally who the Lord has brought here over the years. But for time's sake, what I really want to get to next is ask this question. Why do we come to church? Why do we come to church? And I ask that question with this little girl in the picture taking a snooze. And by the way, over the years, I have seen a few of you snoozing during the sermon. Some more regularly than others. I don't take it personally and I don't mind. Don't worry. But why do we come to church? The Pew Research Center did a study in 2018 asking Americans this question. And the number one answer was to feel closer to God. That's why we come to church. You know, on the surface, that answer appears fine. But, but I really believe that our answer needs to go deeper and be much more compelling than that. I think that there's three main reasons we go to church. Number one, to worship God together. All right, feelings come and go. And you can see sort of the me focus to feel closer to God. But number one, we're here to worship God together. Number two, to connect with others who are in Jesus' family called the church. And number three, to be equipped in our faith and ministry as we carry out our mission. 
Now, virtually every Bible-based church is going to have the same mission. It's the one that Jesus gave to us. Why do we all have the same one? It's because he gave it to us. It's in the Bible. We just use slightly different language to describe it. Here at the Y Church, we hope that you learn it by heart. It has three parts, and it's this. I think it's up there on the screen. On the, the circle on the left, we'll, we'll ignore the stuff on the right for now. We'll get to that another day. But here is our mission, to seek Jesus, connect together, and share his love. When you look at that, to me, that actually sounds a whole lot like the three main reasons I just listed for coming to church. Worship, church family, and being equipped for ministry, sharing his love. And one of the key ways that we are equipped and that we grow in our faith is through the study of God's Word. And under this heading now, I want to give you a quick preview of what we'll be studying this year, followed by a a surprise at the end. And so you've maybe heard me say this before as we go into this preview, that depending on your church background, some churches have a real strict plan that they follow every three years called the pericopes. And other churches, you know, they'll just come up with a series, we kind of split the middle. And so what we say is our parameters are going to be that we are going to get to three places in the Bible every year. We're going to spend time in the Gospels, which is the life and teachings of Jesus. We're going to spend time in the New Testament letters, and we're going to spend time in the Old Testament. So here is what 2023 looks like. Next week, we'll all come back and we will start a series on 2 Peter called Great and Precious Promises. A great way to start the year. And then during Lent, that's the 40 days that lead to Easter, we're going to do a five-week series on prayer. How do I talk with God? How do I hear His voice? And at the very same time, our Y groups across the Y church, and those are the in-home groups that meet during the week, we're going to do a church-wide study on prayer. And have the opportunity for you to jump in for that season or join a Y group. After Easter, we're going to head into the Gospels and we're going to study the seven signs of John. John anchors his Gospel on these seven stories or miracles that teach us about Jesus. And then the summer affords us an extended time to study First and Second Thessalonians. And that, by the way, will set us up to finish the New Testament in 2024 with Galatians. And when we finish the New Testament, we're going to have a big party. Well, Tara, can we have a big party? Don't get the cart ahead of the horse. (laughs) I think so. Because that means we'll have been here 14 years, and we'll have crossed that finish line of studying every single New Testament book. That'll be fun. But back to 2023. In the fall, back to school season, we're going to study the life of Abraham in the book of Genesis. We're going to look at the story of Esther, not my wife, but biblically, uh, the story of Esther for Reformation Sunday. I just feel like her story is a Reformation story. And we're going to have our students, some of our high schools uh, up here celebrating confirmation that day. Then I have a little deer hunting series I've planned for the fall in November. It's called As the Deer. And uh, we're going to look at the biblical imagery of the deer. I'm really excited about it as you can tell. And then we're back to Advent. But I want to close the message and this preview by telling you some exciting news for the fall. Our leadership team and our staff have been discerning this the past several months. Actually, 
it dates to before the pandemic. We were thinking about this, having conversation, and then that happened. But now we're back at it, and starting the fall of this year, we are going to move to two Sunday morning services. Why would we do this? You know, we could stuff more people in. We could get rid of tables and just do rows. Why are we doing this? Because the research across the board shows that once you are at 80% full, once you hit that mark, you actually stop growing and you prohibit new people from coming because they arrive and they perceive there's no room for me. And we want to be a place where the words of Zechariah would be true, that many people will yet come saying, let us go and entreat and seek the Lord. We have heard that God is with you. So we don't care about becoming a big church. That's not what this is about, whatever big church even means. But what we care deeply about is that we would reach our community with an invitation to know Jesus. So the Y has given their blessing to this, which is wonderful, that they would allow us to expand our Sunday morning time a little bit. And our leadership team is on it. We'll be creating a task force relatively soon that will lead us into this and just help us get ready around logistics and those kinds of things. We know change can be hard. I remember when we moved from the community room into here. You know, change can be hard. And if your mind is racing to logistics or you're thinking of your serving team and how this is going to work, I assure you that prayerfully we are going to meet those challenges and are already thinking about them. Tentative worship times, you know, it could change, but we feel pretty good about 9 o'clock and 10.30 with a half hour in between. That's going to allow us to stay connected together in the coming and the going and the fellowship that we can have. Why, kids? will happen during the 9 o'clock service. And summer will revert to one worship service. So I could go on with some of those details, but we so look forward to this ministry assignment and to working on this project together. And in the meantime, I want to close with this word from an old writer, an old commentator on Zechariah, who said, the highest station in life is humble submission to God. Some things change, but that never will. May God always be glorified in the story of the Y Church. And may we continue to hold fast to the hem of his robe. Let's pray together as we finish. Our God and Father, we thank you for the story that you've been writing here these past 13 years. And we thank you for the lives that have been changed in this very room, including my own. Lord, as we continue into this new year, we come to entreat you and seek you. And we come to declare that you are are the Lord Almighty. And we commit all of our plans to you, Lord, acknowledging that we need your help. We need your favor. And we need the power of your Holy Spirit to be at work. We ask, Lord, that you would establish the work of our hands for your glory. And in the name of our Savior, we ask it.
Amen. Thanks for listening to the Y Church podcast. For more information about the Y Church, check us out online at thewychurch.org.